What are we really free from? In all the rights America is fighting for, what are we really fighting for? You see, Isaiah chapter 9 says the government will be on his shoulder. Could it be that we're relying on the wrong government? Now listen to me. I'm not talking about rising up and coming against the government, but I'm talking about the problem that you have with the church, and this is the problem that the government of the United States and the rest of the world cannot come to grips with, is we are a government with inside a government, and a true Christian understands they are under the government of God and not the government of man. So do what you will. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You have your Bibles, open them this morning. Today is going to be a time of spiritual and secular education for just a few moments this morning. I purposely titled this message, Do We Desire Independence or Do We Long for Freedom? Freedom is something that is longed for in the nations. I don't care what nation it is. There's a longing in the heart of man to be free. And that longing was something that was placed there by God. It's coveted after in the world. And then I put a question mark after this next line. Established in America? Is America really the land of the free and the home of the brave? Well, I like the statement that has been found in a lot of places, we are the land of the free because of the brave. But even in that, is that truly a true statement? Is America really free? There's something that I learned a long time ago about the past. And I want you to listen very purposely to these next few statements because the past has the uncanny ability to be an interesting part of our present. The past has an interesting capability of being part of our present. Why? Very simply, yesterday is something that we can learn from or something we can run from. And I find that too many people are trying to run from their past. But one of the hardest things that you and I have to do is to get past our past. Most choose to run, even trying to hide. Yet in all things... If you don't learn from the past, it has the uncanny ability to repeat itself and you and I will fall into the same traps as we did before. This happens and is is found paramount a lot of times in in marriages. They say if the first marriage fails, the second marriage has about a 60% chance of making it. And the biggest reason is because we rebound. 
and we usually fall back into the same relationship we had before. Okay, you say, well, pastor, does that mean I, I, I shouldn't do that? No, you should stay with the one you're with and work it out. But I felt I had to make that declaration by virtue of the statement I made. This is why the Bible says God hates divorce. He hated my divorce. He hates every divorce. But he gives a scripture to make us understand divorce happens. The issue is not to work out of it. It's to work into it. If you are a miserable married person, you will be a miserable single person. If you're a miserable single person, you will be a miserable married person. Because many times the problem is the person sitting in your chair. Somebody say amen. Is it okay if your pastor can be that transparent today? And so I, I, you know, I've had some situations happen in my past that I had to get past. I would never ask anybody. Here's what happens in the church when, a, when somebody goes through something. They want the pastor to be there to walk along with them the whole way. How many know what I'm talking about? They want him, as, whether it's an accident, whether it's a death, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a birth, no matter what it was. When I went through my divorce, Pastor can't go through a divorce, church. <laughs> you talk about alone. I know what alone was. My closest pastor friends cut me off. Everybody cut me off. Over the years, as they started realizing what actually happened, they came back and almost all of them said, Pastor, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I wouldn't have wanted this to happen to me, what I did to you. bad thing about our past is we've got to get past our past. Lest it finds itself a very present part of our future. Our dear young country is not learned from its past. And it is beginning to relive the past today. Something it should have learned a long, long time ago. The whole reason America was settled in the first place is that it could be one Nation under God. To worship God the way God intended to be worshipped. The Bible says that God took them out of Israel and he spoke to Pharaoh through his servant Moses and he said, let my people go that they can worship me in the way I want them to worship. And 200 and something years ago, this nation was established to worship the way God wanted to worship, but we have forgotten our past, therefore we have replicated our future. Now I want to take you into the secular part of this message for a few moments and educate. Most people, actually the latest stat is 69% of the people think that there actually is a valid amendment called the separation of church and state. There is not. There is no amendment, there is no terminology that even has that phrase in it. The separation of church and state was not written to keep the state safe from religion, but rather to keep religion safe from the state. In October of 1801, there was a letter written from the Danbury Baptist, uh, um, Danbury 
Baptist, I wrote it down here because I knew I was going to forget it. The Danbury Baptist Association. There it is. I started to say church, but it wasn't. The Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson in October of 1801 and stated their concerns that the state, the government, was already beginning to infringe upon the rights, the, not the rights, the freedom that this country was established on. And the letter included the terms of being concerned about religious freedom. On January 1st, October or 1802, four months later, Jefferson responded to the letter, and in the letter he wrote these words, I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That is what we hear about on the news all the time. It's called the Establishment Clause. Are you with me? These are, in your, these are not in your notes. You need to write them down. This is what, when you hear the news talking about, this is what they're referring to. It's the First Amendment, okay, which talks about the freedom of religion, the freedom of press, the freedom of, of gathering, the freedom of, of, of people to be free. And he's quoting the First Amendment now. He said that a legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's the Establishment Clause prohibiting the free exercise thereof, that is what's called the free exercise clause. Now, here's the thing on the news you hear all the time. The establishment clause, establishment clause, establishment clause. Why? Because in 1958, under the Warren Court, under Chief Justice Earl Warren, there was a lot of establishments that were eliminated. Therefore, you hear virtually nothing about the free exercise clause, the two clauses that are written in the First Amendment. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us all of this? I'm telling you this so where when people start telling you what you can and can't do when it comes to religious freedom, say, I'm not independent, I'm free, and I know what my freedoms are, and I have the freedom to exercise my Christian belief. Can somebody say amen? Is it okay? Are we learning something today? So 69% of Americans think the First Amendment has the term separation of church and state. But it doesn't. Let me conclude with what Thomas Jefferson wrote. He said, Make no law representing the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. And that's the term. The wall that Thomas Jefferson so eloquently pinned, Chief Justice Earl Warren and the Warren Court, the Supreme Court from 53 to 69, so horribly eradicated was the freedom, the free exercise clause. It was because of the Warren Court that prayer was taken out of school. It was because of the Warren Court the Bibles were removed from the classroom. It was because of the Warren Court that they can't share the gospel on campus anymore. It was because of the Warren. All the way from 53 to 69. You can go look this up yourself. I don't have time in today's sermon to talk about all of it. But I wanted to give us this little bit of understanding. Why? Is because God never called us to be independent. He called us to be free. 
Are you with me today? I'm trying, my friend. When you have a government in your notes of the people, by the people, and for the people, you have democracy. When you have a government of the people, for the people, but is ruled without the people, you have tyranny. And when you have a government of the people, ruled without the people, and the people forget it exists because of God, you have anarchy. Which is very much where our country is headed, if not, has already crossed the precipice of. 19, or 1776, independence was declared. But I want you to look at the writings as I share some of them with you in the next few moments. But help us to understand that the writers realized it wasn't about independence, but it was really about freedom. Listen to these words that were written in something we call the Declaration of independence. Look what it says. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal. Underline that with me, please. All men are created equal. That they were endowed by their creator. Circle that line, please. Endowed by their creator. Not the Constitution, not the Declaration, not some other piece of paper. Endowed by their Creator, listen to this, with certain inalienable rights. And what were those rights? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I see not a word of independence in there. Prudence, it goes on to say down in a few lines. The word prudence means careful, cautious, sensible, and wise judgment. (coughs) Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established... Prudence will dictate, indeed, that governments long established should not be changed. And I want you to throw these words, double underline, circle, exclamation points, for light and transient causes. You know what light and transient causes are? Your rights and mine. I learned a long time ago, Everyone's right, but the right. Am I right, Kathy? I'm not talking about the right wing or the left wing or the north wing or the south wing. I'm talking about right before God. And these are the arguments that people get. Well, I have my rights. That's why in our church we don't use the term volunteer, because volunteer means you have rights. Minister means you're a slave. I I didn't write it, folks, but I sure, as God is my witness, will preach it. He said you were bought with a price. You were not your own. And too many times the church has neutralized. I caught myself again. I didn't use the other word. 
neutralized itself because we've made everybody volunteers. When Jesus says, you can't even serve me unless you die. You can't even be the witness for me unless your life no longer is your own. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know it's my own? When you're so worried about your rights that you're never concerned about his right. Somebody say amen. amen. This is good preaching. You're going you're gonna to like it today. Light and transient causes. I was talking to a young man this morning. We were talking about the nursery. We're talking about a, a rule that I set in place that if you have a baby, you have to serve in the nursery. If you have a baby in the nursery, you have to serve in the nursery. But the truth is, is you shouldn't have to serve in the nursery very often. Why? We've got, we've got over 400 people that call this church home. This is a holiday weekend, so we have a sparse crowd, which is normal three, four-day weekends. But we have several hundred people that come that there is no reason, as he and I were talking, that you're not serving in the nursery once every six months. Once every three months. There's no reason that the children's ministry and the different ministries in the church should not be like Moses. Remember when Moses was building the tabernacle? So many people got so involved and gave so much that Moses had to stand up and say, tell them to stop coming. How many of you ministry leaders in here have had that problem yet? Well, bless God, I can only do so much. I almost start meddling now. I can only do, that's right. When you're talking about your rights, you can only do so much. But when you're talking about his right, what more can I give about my life? Well, pastor, you know, I, I've got a life to live. He's the one that gave it, didn't he? He's the one that died. So if I have a life to live, who am I living that life for? Well, you don't understand. No, I think you don't understand. How am I doing, John? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, some of, you, some of you that don't have kids are saying, yeah, get it, get it. The ones that have kids said, ooh. Light and transient causes, we change the whole land seascape, landscape, sunscape. Can I tell you less than 1% of America is homosexual? But you know how much of America is being changed for the homosexual agenda? You know less than a fraction, a fraction of America is atheist? But you know how many times that an atheist can get anything they want thrown out of college, but a Christian can't get anything? It's because somebody is touting their independence. And God says, that's fine. But if you want to be free, you've got to come to me. Amen. Freedom, in your notes, has always come with a great cost and difficulty. Why? Because it is usually opposed to the organized structure who stand up for their inalienable rights. That was given by God, which is a freedom that those that dictate have cut it down. Let me share something. Something freedom 
is a right. But it's actually a privilege that was given to us 2,000 years ago to a place called Calvary. We are free because of the first one that was brave and said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me take you through history. In 1775 to 83, we have what's called the American Revolution. We had also what's called the Revolutionary War. The British dictatorship fought because they didn't want to give up the riches of the American continent. War after war fought, supposedly, to obtain and maintain freedom. But I have to ask you, in light of what I've talked about so far, was it really more for independence? Let's look at the War of 1812. Once again, Britain rises up. Still resentful because of what happened in 1783. Then we had just a few short years later in 1846 through 48 what's called the Mexican-American War where they tried to secure the rest of the country for expansion and freedom. Then we had the epitome of it all to really determine whether they're going to be independent or free, it was called the Great Civil War. A division in these United States of America that was only able to be repaired by war. Man, war, war, man, inseparable realities, all for the sake of freedom. Why is this? The Declaration said these words, and I want to reiterate Man, endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. Life, is it in your notes there? Circle that word liberty. Because though in your thesaurus, the word liberty will actually have a synonym of independence, when you actually define the two words, they are not synonymous of one another. But it says that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How did we obtain that? It was endowed by our Creator. Bishop Fulton Sheen, one of the great archbishops of the early 50s and uh, through the 60s, and I say great because he became a, a very prominent face in America. How many remember Fulton Sheen? I mean, the guy was always on TV. He was one of those really good archbishops, if you will. And I, I don't say that derogatorily to anybody else, but he was out there in front. Listen to what he said. He said, civilization is always in danger of corruption. Listen to this. When those who have never learned to have, obey are given the right to command. When you have never learned to obey. I have people that I deal with in church all the time. Pastor, give me a position. Why? I deserve it. Show me chapter and verse on that. You see, I look all the time for people that will serve from a position of love, not a love of position. And there's too many people that want a title. They want a recognition. They want their right. You see, a country established on the principles of God, we just celebrated the 4th of July. We had a great time with friends. We had a great time uh, spending the day talking about things, just fellowshipping and having a good time. Christians together. Listen to this. A country established on the principles of God, yet never obeying the foundational, foundational ethics 
foundational. I'll get it out sooner or later. Ethics of being prudent. And I want you to underline this in your notes. And theocratic. You see, God called us to be a part of his kingdom. There is no democracy in a kingdom. It's a theocracy where a king rules and we're all servants. We got one amen out of the whole church. We don't follow the foundational, found, foundational ethics that God has established being prudent or cautious of the theocratic rule that God has set and basis that we should go by that our government, even under the guise of godliness, which man indeed is the governor of transient causes. Secondly and quickly, liberation was proclaimed in 1863. Now I want you to take after that word liberation, put a little note tag up and write these words, not liberty. Liberation, not freedom. Was proclaimed in what's called the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863. You see, during the course of the Civil War, President Lincoln signed a bill pronouncing freedom for, slave, for the slaves living in the United States. But once again, man attempts to delegate freedom, only to have it overthrown by the majority. Do you know when the blacks in America truly got their, I'm going to use the word purposely, independence and not freedom? Was with a piece of paper drawn up in 1964 called the Bill of Rights. The bill of what? Freedom and rights are not synonymous. You can have all the rights in the world and not be free. Am I making sense this morning? What President Lincoln tried to do in 1863 did not get done until 1964. Over a hundred years later, our God-given inalienable rights have again been superimposed by man's lack of prudence because he's more concerned about transient causes. Governed not by God's ethics, underline this, but by majority rule. And majority rule is still the casting vote of society today. When you look back into history, we find that all the great injustices in the world, not just America, has been committed in the name of unchecked and unbridled majority rule. Before a Senate session, the late Missouri, Missouri Senator James A. Reed, he stood and made this profound declaration concerning the government's majority rule. 
Listen to what he said. He said, the majority cut off the ears of John Pym when he advocated the liberty of the press or the freedom of the press. The majority jeered Congress for saying the world was round. The majority then threw him into the dungeon when he discovered a new world. It was the majority who established slavery and its continuance. It was the majority that burned Christians at the stake and we must remember it was the majority that crucified Jesus Christ. Let me give you a simple definition of independence and freedom. Independence is the demanding of rights. Freedom is the granting of liberty. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It's not in your notes, but you can turn there with me. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll turn there and open it for you. I want to read a little bit more. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at what it says here. 17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Notice it didn't say independence. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul starts out, he says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Are we beginning to talk about how great we are in ourselves? Our independence, our rights? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. He said, you want to see what freedom is? You want to see what the Spirit of the Lord is? Look at the letters that are walking around because they are the letters of our hearts living before God. Can you say amen? You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on the tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in, of, in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, for our competence comes from God. Can I say it again? For our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, for the, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills and the Spirit gives new life. These are the inalienable rights that the Lord is talking about. You can read on down there through the 17th verse. But understand this one thing. Independence is somebody standing up. Bless God, I demand my rights. But liberty or freedom is something Jesus gave us at a place called Calvary. Let me wrap this up in part three. Freedom didn't happen in 1776. Freedom didn't happen in 1863. Freedom happened at 33 AD in a place called Calvary. That's where you and I were given our freedom. Isaiah 9 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You hear this? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen to what it says here. Of the increase of his government 
and peace. There shall be no end. Why? Governance doesn't come through man. Peace doesn't come from possessions. It comes from Jesus Christ. Upon the throne of David, upon his, what's that word? Kingdom. Theocracy. To order it, to establish it, with judgment and justice, henceforth, even forever. Yet in this government, the government God established, there are conflicts. Why? Man's independent spirit is involved. This is the conflict unlike every other conflict that has ever happened. Back then, as it is today, and I want you to listen to me, church, because it is prevalent in the church of Jesus Christ, it is the war between independence and freedom. And Jesus never came to give us independence. He came to set the captive free. Can somebody say amen? You see, man wants independence. Do you want to know what he wants independence from? God's rule, ethics, and order. They want independence from God's reign. And in 33 AD, God gave man their independence. He gave them the freedom of choice. You choose, do I want to be independent? Do I want to have my rights? Lord, I want to be free. Say, Lord, your will be done. The celebration of man's freedom can be traced all the way back to Eve. Listen to me. Eating of the fruit in the Garden of Eden was the first free act of the human race. And we ought to recognize that act, and we ought to celebrate Eve. Because she began, Adam began the process of what we call freedom. But wasn't it really independence? Am I making sense in this house? The expulsion of Adam and Eve from the garden was God saying, fine, you want to be independent? I'll set you free. You can go do what you want to do. Oh, the land that I have providing for you, now you have to work it. The land that I gave you all the different things to take care of you, now it's going to be at the sweat of your brow. You want independence? Go for it. If you want freedom, you have to return. Dependence on our independence is what makes sin possible. And because at 33 AD God gave us that freedom of choice, when Jesus died at Calvary, that freedom allowed sin to reign. Why? Because he said you can have my way or you can have your way. You can have freedom, which is my way, or you can have independence, which is man's way. You see, man has always wanted freedom, but the truth is, is man really wants independence. Why? Because he bought the lie of the enemy all the way back in Genesis 3 and all the way through Revelation 21, where the Bible says that you shall become your own God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life have been the governing factor of mankind. That is what we call transient. 
causes. You say, Pastor, how do I know this? I ask a very simple question. What is America really free from? We still have war. We still have sin. We still have chaos. We still have tyranny and anarchy. What are we really free from? In all the rights America is fighting for, what are we really fighting for? You see, Isaiah chapter 9 says the government will be on his shoulder. Could it be that we're relying on the wrong government? Now listen to me. I'm not talking about rising up and coming against the government, but I'm talking about the problem that you have with the church, and this is the problem that the government of the United States and the rest of the world cannot come to grips with, is we are a government with inside a government, and a true Christian understands they are under the government of God and not the government of man. So do what you will. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And that's the government they can't stand against. What do you do? I mean, look at Paul. I mean, this guy, he said, Paul, stop preaching or we're going to stone you. He said, that's happened three times. Paul, you better shut up or we're going to beat you with sticks. He said, yeah, twice with that one too. Paul, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. He thought for a second. He said, you know, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord, to be, it's better for me... Would you mind? What do you do with a person like Paul? What do you do with a person who has given up their independence because today they are truly set free? What can you do with that person? I hope somebody's catching this today. You see, folks, we're really not independent of God's rule, ethic, or moral. One day, we will give account. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel said, we want a king so we can be like other people. We don't want God to lead. There are many things that we do as Christians in the name of freedom Yet it seems more so that we're trying to claim independence as free moral agents. Therefore, I talk about the term volunteer. I can't find volunteerism in the Bible. I find servants. I find ministers. I find those that die that they ultimately can live. Let me give you the difference in the two freedoms that we talk about today. The false freedom is where man is free to do what he would. That's called independence. The true freedom is where man is free to do what he should. That is called freedom. Freedom and independence are two completely different things. America is called a Christian nation, yet she has strayed from God's government, Jesus Christ. The government will be upon his shoulder. W.R. Ng said these words, Christianity promises to make men free. It never promised to make men independent. Today, or this week, we celebrate the independent emancipation proclamation. America, the land 
of the free. But how free are we? When Jesus died and rose again from the dead was the first time since the fall that man truly had the right to be free. Why? Because Colossians says he nailed all of our injustices on the cross and we were set free. Let me break it down like this. In the garden, God said these words, here's your independence. I give you the world. But at Calvary, God said, but do you want your freedom? I'll give you my son. Now we choose who are we fighting for. Outside of God, there is no life, no liberty, no pursuit of happiness. Why? Because only in Christ can evil hearts be made pure and selfish lives be made whole. You and I are part of the fabled American dream. And we've set our sights on happiness, fulfillment, but it's a security that's based on what the earth was never meant to provide. These promises has always been God. These inalienable rights have always been given from our Creator. Abraham Lincoln knew that when they drafted the the the, uh, uh, the Gettysburg Address, when they drafted the uh, the Declaration of Independence, they understood that it was given by our Creator. Man may understand all good things come from God, but in Christ, it is only then can we have the good things, because outside of Christ. We can have nothing. Freedom is the ability not to insist upon my rights, but rather to see that God gets his. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.